Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thank you so much for joining us on the journey. Here on Fridays in June, we're asking, does Jesus care? If you missed episode one in this series, we'd encourage you to go back. It's right there, freely available in our podcast feed. We went back and we read the lyrics of that 120-year-old hymn, Does Jesus Care? In various times of life, when we are burdened and pressed by cares, when there are demands, when there are fears and unknowns, even in the midst of the darkest valleys of grief. And we rooted ourselves for the month in that triumphant chorus, yes, I know Jesus cares. And one of the ways we know is by going back and looking at various scenes in Jesus's ministry. Roger, last Friday, we looked at a really inconvenient day in Jesus's life when he demonstrated incredible compassion. Today, we're going to go and we're look, we're going to look at a, a time of compassion when nobody else in the room was being compassionate. You know, and before we look at this, you know, when we talk about Jesus and demonstrating his compassion, it was not a one-time thing. You know, somebody could come up to to Jesus and say, well, do you care? He said, well, I I preached that sermon two years ago, and, (laughs) and, you know, you need to go back and listen to it. No, it, it is over and over, different places, different people, different circumstances, over and over, Jesus' life is summed up by compassion. And that's one reason why the people just came to him, because they knew he cared. And so today, we're going to take a look in the book of Mark and in chapter 7, and we're going to talk about the Syrophoenician woman, sometimes referred to as the Canaanite woman, as Matthew 15 also tells us this story. But we're going to look by and large here at Mark chapter 7. Let me read the text to you, and then we're going to kind of just kind of walk through this text just a little bit. And what we're going to drive at is this idea that Jesus really cares. So it says in verse 24 of Mark 7, Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he entered the house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. Now, when we read that text and we just think, well, he went to Tyre, uh, that doesn't do much for us unless you have some background. So what does that mean, Jason? This is not Israelite territory. This is thoroughly Gentile territory on the western side, very close, in fact, bordering the Mediterranean Sea, north of where Israelites live. Anytime a descendant of Abraham went to Tyre and Sidon, they were going outside their comfort zones into territory where, well, that's where the impure, the people we naturally look down upon, that's where they live. And so this is going to be a different region, a different group of people, and that's one way Jesus could get up there and not be noticed. His time had been spent in Judea and Galilee. His time had been around Jewish people, and so now he was out of that, thinking he could just kind of 
get away from people for a little bit and reflect. But verse, the very next verse, verse 25, but after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And so, so even in this Gentile territory, there were Gentiles who needed Jesus. And this is a powerful story. As far as I know, this is the only Gentile we read about in the Gospels that had a demon in them. And Jesus is there, and she wants Jesus to do something about that. Now, there's a, there's a thought here that Matthew gives us that we really need to focus on also. And this is in Matthew chapter 15, as Matthew's telling us this story. And the, it parallels real similar to this. But in Matthew chapter 15... As Jesus goes to Tyre and Sidon, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter's cruelly demon-possessed. Here's a Gentile woman that understood some things about Jesus. She calls him Lord. She calls him son of David. She knows that Jesus can do something. But it says in verse 23 of Matthew's account, But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Truth be, she wasn't shouting at them. She was shouting at Jesus. Peter couldn't do anything, and John couldn't do anything. But but what we see here is the difference between Jesus and the disciples. When this woman came, I have a need. She's not one of us. We're not from this town. There's so many differences here. And the disciples' thought was just send her away. Uh, she's bothering us. They closed the door. They closed the heart. I have little need for this woman. Jesus felt compassion. And that's what we want to look at today because sometimes we see around us needs and concerns and people want to shut the door. Uh, this person's different than we are. This person's not one of us. This person's someone that, that uh, we're scared about or something. And so the door's closed. The heart is closed. But Jesus opened his heart. You know, when we combine Matthew and Mark, not only are there differences here, there's a certain level, I think clearly in the language of the apostles of annoyance, right? Mark tells us she's begging. Matthew tells us she keeps on shouting. And so it is not a one time I'm coming up, I'm making a request, and I'm immediately being looked down upon. It's this is persistence. Now, we know in other places, it is the sort of persistence that makes Jesus marvel, right? The sort of persistence that Jesus appreciates and uses to teach those who aren't nearly as desperate as they ought to be, maybe a little too full of themselves, a little prideful. So not only do we have the obstacle of differences, racial differences, right? Language differences, territorial differences, but we've got a crowd who believes, well, we've arrived, we've got everything we need, here's this annoying foreigner who's not like us, and we don't regard her as worthy of an audience with Jesus. Last Friday, it was an inconvenient day. Here it is 
nobody else is feeling compassion, what is Jesus going to feel? And and I'd add to that, Jason, that it's very easy to see where the disciples were coming from. Uh, this is our Jesus. That's not your Jesus. Yeah. He's one of us. He's not one of you. And boy, that thought can just transfer right to where we are today. He belongs in a church. He belongs to church people. And those folks out there, um, no, no, just go away because you're not one of us. Now, one of the fascinating things about this account is that Jesus, when he begins talking to her, seems to echo that that mentality, right? Mark's gospel tells us in verse 27 that Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now here, Roger, you and I are talking a lot about compassion. Why do you think Jesus says these jarring words to her? Well, you know, and through the years, a lot of scholars have really struggled with that statement. Um, they think, in fact, one writer I remember wrote that this is the most unchrist-like thing that Christ ever said. <laughs> uh, some think they're insulting to her by referring to her as a dog. And, you know, then some say, well, you have to understand uh, the Greek word for dog here. It's not a street dog, but it's a lap dog. And, and, mm, and, and yeah. I, think, I think people miss it altogether. That, that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is saying, and we we see this so well at home, okay? Mom cooks the dinner. She's been cooking and cooking. She puts everything on the table. All the steam is sizzling up. There's corn on the cob. There's mashed potatoes. There's meat and everything. And everyone gathers to the table, and Mom takes a plate and fills just a heaping full of food. And the first thing she does is give it to the dog. <laughs> no, no. Mama doesn't feed the dogs first. She feeds the family first. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not insulting her. Jesus came first for Israel, not only for Israel, but first for Israel. This woman has such incredible faith that in verse 28, she said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. She's not asking for a plateful. She's not asking for the dog to sit at the table. She's not saying, get everyone away and put the dog on the table. Let me eat. He said, just the crumbs. You are so powerful. You are so God. Just give me the crumbs that fall, and just a crumb is going to heal my daughter. And Jesus was amazed at that. And he says in verse 29 of Mark's account, he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. What's also impressive about that statement is Jesus never saw that daughter. He never had to do a medical examination of her. He never said, well, woman, she, re she really doesn't have a demon. She has this. Jesus knew he didn't have to be in the same location. His words are so powerful that they would transcend time and distance. And before that woman got home, her daughter was well. And Jesus had done that. I think it's just another glimpse of... Jesus as the master teacher, right? Uh, he simultaneously, with just a few words, tests this woman's faith, right? Uh, she, all of her life, as she runs across various Jews, would be looked down upon by Jews, right? And so by coming to Jesus in this desperation and to hear Jesus respond in the way that he does, she's got a choice to make, right? Is she going to 
try and slap him and turn her back and, and, you know, mutter all along the way that, well, you know, I should have known that he being a Jew would talk to me like that. Her faith is tested. The apostles perhaps at first think, well, yeah, that's right. That's Jesus. You shouldn't have any time for her. But then ultimately to see how this woman responds to the test, how Jesus responds to her great faith. He not only helps this woman, but he teaches his apostles a lesson as well. This message, Jesus is for everyone. The hope of the gospel is for everyone. Jesus can extend God's grace his power to anyone. And so when we think about this subject of compassion, what we see in the story of the Syrophoenician woman is that Jesus cared and the disciples did not. And we see Jesus wanted to help and the disciples wanted to send her away. That seems to be the, the mode for the disciples so many times is just send the problem away. Had the woman gone away, her daughter would have been demon-possessed. She would have been none the better. But Jesus showed compassion. And so that takes us to you and I and a lesson for us. Because sometimes those around us, maybe even in the church, sadly, maybe in our family, no one else cares. No one else wants to show compassion, but you do. And by you doing that, you stand out as being different. Jesus was different here. And people may even around you encourage you not to care, not to be involved, but you know the right thing to do, so you're going to do it. And some may even ridicule you and say, why, why do you care about this person? Now, in this setting here, we have a difference in culture and ethics, one Jewish to uh, Gentile. But in our times, it might be hair color. In our times, it might be somebody who's tattooed. In our time, it's maybe someone who just looks different, talks different, different race than we are. They're not one of us, we could say. They may not even be a follower of Jesus, but there's something that they need, and you can help them. And that's what this lesson brings to our mind, that God cares about all people. He sends his rain and the sun upon the wicked as well as the righteous. And that's the compassion of our God. Roger, last Friday you read for us James chapter 1 and verse 22 that calls us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. It strikes me that if we keep reading, James provides a real-life example that's a whole lot like what we have just studied from Mark's gospel. In James chapter 2, James says, My brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And he gives us an example. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. You know, if we were back in the Gospels, maybe it would be, okay, on the one hand, you got this Syrophoenician woman who's in desperate need. She's a Gentile. On the other end, we've got a rich, influential, powerful Jew. Who are the the apostles going to be excited about trying to show kindness and honor to? Well, we know, we know the answer to that question. But if we read and we allow James to continue for us. If you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, you sit here in a good place 
What you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And that that is the heart of everything we're talking about this month, right? Compassion begins on the inside. It's a matter of what's, what sort of thoughts are going on on the inside. James eventually says, listen, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Everyone is worthy of my compassion if I am holding the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Paul would say in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, and verse 10, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. But he started by saying all people. That would include Syrophoenicians. That would include those who are on the other side of the planet than we are. It includes those that we may consider our enemies. You know, it's kind of hard to love your enemy if there's not some compassion in there, praying that he will do what's right, praying that God would be good to him as, as we should be good to him. So all those thoughts, again, remind us. And so what's unique about this story is we find Jesus being compassionate and those around Jesus not being very compassionate. And so Jesus didn't follow the mode saying, well, I would like to help her, but you know, I, you know, I got, I got these 12 guys with me and they don't want me to do anything. So I've got to kind of do what they want to do. He stood out and he was going to do what was right. And sometimes we, you and I have to do the exact same thing as we try to walk with the Lord. I think as we begin to round this conversation off for today, maybe that speaks to us as disciples, maybe even in the context of our own church family, we might know of a need, and we're not sure anybody else knows of that need, but we're pretty sure nobody else is stepping up to meet that need. All right, what am I going to do? I'm aware of the need. I'm aware of the the hurt, the grief, the weariness. Am I going to wait for, you know, this mass email, mass text to go out to everybody? And well, now that everybody else is getting involved, I suppose that I will. Or will I follow in the footsteps of Jesus, showing compassion, even when nobody else is? The the, the reality of the situation is there are going to be real lifetimes, maybe even this weekend, when nobody else is aware of an opportunity other than me. What I would challenge you to do today is to look around you. Where are those needs? And even if no one else is doing anything about it, Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus cares, and he's calling me to care as well. And and again, going back to that hymn that we're kind of using as our theme here, Does Jesus Care? And in the chorus, Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. And we need to live in such a way that somebody could say that of us. I know you care because you came, you did, you delivered, you helped me out. 
Let's go back to Matthew chapter 11, where we sometimes call this uh, the great invitation of Jesus. But it says in verse 28, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The gentle Jesus, the humble Jesus, the Jesus that offers rest. That's that's just the concept of compassion. And again, does Jesus care? Yes, he does. He demonstrates that on nearly every page of our Gospels. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for this challenging conversation that reminds us to do what we can when we can. Those opportunities are all around us. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope that it has helped you set your mind on things above, given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, the Jesus who is gentle and lowly, you are heaven bound. He's calling you to follow and the best is yet to come.